From Dr. Peter Pronovost, you're listening to Micro Moments with Peter. Welcome back to another episode of Micro Moments with Peter, where we are leveraging the power of love within and between people to radically transform health and healthcare. Today, we have Jessica Jersak joining us. Jessica is the manager of whole health and well-being operations at University Hospitals. In this role, she oversees a variety of employee-facing well-being initiatives that supports a happier, healthier workforce while reducing healthcare costs and disease burden. Jessica has a master's level background in nutrition and public health and has acquired several additional certifications throughout her career. She's a licensed registered dietitian, a certified group fitness instructor, a tobacco cessation program facilitator, and a level one Reiki practitioner. She's also working on completing both lifestyle medicine and forest bathing guide certifications. Jess, thanks so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you on the podcast, and we really look forward to talking about the importance of creating a healthcare system that's designed around wellness rather than sickness, and want to dive into kind of how we're working towards that goal here at UH. So with that, I will pass it over to Peter. Peter, take it away. Thanks, Kelsey. And Jessica, thanks for being here, and more importantly, for all you do in guiding us to help our well-being thrive and build our well-being uh, systems. You're our guru of well-being with your background. It's a delight to work with and learn from you. Imagine if there was a pill that you could take and it would make you feel and look great. You'd wake up in the morning ready to hit the world with a smile on your face, love in your heart. You would reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease, of stroke, of hypertension by 50%, of depression, of dementia of cancer by 50%. I mean, of course we would take that. The thing is, that pill is you. The science of well-being has advanced so much that we know that our personal health habits impact, you know, 70 to 80% of our health outcomes, at least the modifiable parts. We can't do much to change our genetic background, but we certainly could change our habits. We also know exactly what those behaviors are. They're not myth anymore. They're very specific and they are nourish or the dose of healthy food, move the dose of exercise or movement, refresh the dose of sleep of stress reduction and self-compassion, connect the dose of social connection and prevent the dose of well care. And the third advance is that we know how habits form. That is the science of how habits evolve and the barriers to them, such as anxiety are increasingly clear. And so we have this opportunity to make radical improvements in our health. But yet the reality is, though it might be 70, 80% of our health outcomes, around 80% of people don't have those healthy habits and they suffer ill health or less well-being because of it. And our medical system has almost neglected well-being. We have a healthcare system that's probably more aptly called a sick care, and our well-care system is so well underdeveloped. Well, Jessica's seeking to change that UH, and she's doing a remarkable job. And I thought it'd be great for folks to hear about what we're doing, what she's doing, and how all of us might be able to live a little bit healthier lives. So Jess, maybe we can begin with any tips you have for people to enhance their well-being. It's like some of the things that you've put in our programs at UH. Sure. Well, first, thank you again for having me on the podcast and for your leadership with transformational change here at UH. Um, It is a pleasure to work here and to be able to work on these different programs and initiatives to bring well-being to all of our 
employees at UH and um, by extension, all of our patients and our community. Um, you talked about how we know what the different lifestyle habits are to help keep us healthy and well around nutrition, physical activity, social connections, um, mental and emotional health through refreshing, getting our preventative care, all of these things. It's difficult and overwhelming when you think about trying to change too much at once. So if you think about how you actually form a habit, how you make something stick, getting down to just even just the key definition of what a habit is, it's a repetition of a small behavior over and over and over until it becomes an automatic life function. A habit is something you don't even need to think about, you just do. So when you try to do too many big changes at once, it can be overwhelming and that's when we end up failing and not actually forming officially a habit. So my, my first tip would be to try to tackle something small Try to make it as small as possible. Do the same thing over and over and over until it becomes a part of your default function. And that's, that's really the key there. And while you're trying to make that change, you might recognize that there's things you need to change in your day-to-day -day environment, how you have your home life set up or your workstation set up, maybe some of your other actions that either help or inhibit making that change and keeping that new action um, into your life. So it's really a process of trying to figure out how to help it actually stick in your life. Um, so be compassionate with yourself when you're trying to make this, this small change, you know, hating on yourself, being hard on yourself for failing for one day or one time is only going to set you up for failure and make it harder. So being compassionate and being gentle on yourself is really important there. With any of these changes that we want to make, it's important to be very specific uh, we talk about SMART goals all the time, making sure that you pick something specific, that you um, that it's measurable, you know exactly what it means to accomplish that goal and whether or not you've achieved it, um, to make sure it's realistic, that it's time frame, all of these things, really outline it in detail for yourself and bring others into the fold with you. You never need to do something alone. Um, and we know just how important it is to have somebody along that journey with you. And Peter, I think with a lot of the programs and initiatives that um, you push forward, we talk a lot about that, um, doing things together, doing things with love, having compassion. And it's just uh, just as important when we talk about well-being and habits as well. Yeah, Jessica, th thank you. And what you, know, you help teach us about some of these are very simple, like the concept of an exercise snack where small doses of exercise, an exercise snack, add up to give you the full health benefits. It doesn't need to be an hour, 30 minutes continuous. So walking up the stairs, for example, instead of an elevator or taking, you know, a, a few minutes. I was sharing at the wellness retreat, Jessica, I often will do like some other little squats in my office and I look like a complete weirdo. <laughs> it's just, I have, I have a few minutes just in so if you see my head bobbing up and down, uh, you, you, you'll know why. Or some simple eating tips like putting uh, sauces or dressing on the side because they often have a lot of sugar and a lot of calories and you can control how much you want to put on. So uh, th thanks for those comments. Just I wonder if you could maybe share a little bit what we're doing at UH to kind of focus on well-being, you know, and I include some of just the habits of opening our meetings with a well-being moment and maybe share a little bit about what that is and the other things we're doing. Of course. Yes. Thank you. So we have a new initiative here at UH called the UH Wellbeing Moment. And this is an opportunity for our team members to really connect with each other, 
and support each other on a deeper level. Um, usually when you start a meeting, you might say, thanks for joining us. Here's our agenda. Let's dive in. But this well-being moment initiative is an opportunity for everybody to pause and recognize that we are humans, that we're not just here and showing up in our work function or our role that we are hired for. We truly do bring our entire lives to the team. And so this gives us an opportunity to pause for just anywhere from 60 seconds, maybe three or four minutes, and to have a moment together that builds that deeper connection. So the, the leader of the team, maybe they offer a prompt such as share something you're grateful for today or share something that you're excited about or give a shout out to another coworker today. Um, or maybe you, you pause and do a guided meditation for two minutes or just take a few deep breaths all together as a group. And this just gives you a moment as a team to connect, to slow down and to learn more about each other and bring your whole self to the team and to the, the group for the day. Um, we have received so much great feedback about this initiative. We have um, 70 to 75% of people who we've heard feedback from say that they recognize immediate positive results among their team. Everything from decreased stress, increased energy, greater team cohesiveness, greater focus, um, so even just in those two to three minutes, like you said, very small amounts of time for any of these habits, any of these actions, it really can add up and make a big difference. So the well-being moment at the start of a meeting, the start of a team huddle, um, that is something that we really do promote and we're seeing really great feedback on um, and outcomes for so far. As far as helping our employees with individual behavior changes and helping to incorporate more healthy habits into their lives, we have an employee wellness platform where we offer a ton of different opportunities to participate in educational, hands-on, kind of practical skills building sort of activities. And it's very personalizable. I think that's important when you are looking at a healthcare system um, with tens of thousands of employees that everybody is in a different part of their well-being journey and may need something different for their own personal well-being and quality of life. So we allow all of these different opportunities for them to engage and to build a well-being plan that works for them and helps them to build the habits that they need. Then we also have a program that um, builds that social connection uh, because we know that the interpersonal connections are so key to help people form and stick to these good habits. So we have a well-being ambassadors program with over 100 team members across the system who get to be that close connection to wellness for their colleagues. So they'll invite them maybe to go for a walk at lunch or to even just sit down together and, and chat and learn about each other more so during the lunch hour um, or to lead a well-being moment for their team during their, their team meetings. And so all of these things, the, this program um, of volunteers really empowers them to be that close connection to wellness and to get their colleagues involved. Yeah, thanks, Jess. The, the momentum around this is so powerful in that, you know, I remember when we first started this well-being moment, at first there were some skeptics or people who may have rolled their eyes like, oh, are you really going to do this? This is hokey. And now what people are hungry for, if, if I, you know, by mistake say, okay, let's get onto the agenda, I'll get texts or someone, no, 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 Peter, we didn't do the well-being uh, moment. And your people just get energized by it and it sets the tone for us to get more productive and more creative in our discussions. And I, I have no doubt, Jessica, that that, you know, clearing our mind for a second, getting us in a grateful mindset or in a, in a connected mindset allows our innovation 
to flourish and us to design better interventions. So thank you. The visioning for you or the future, I know we've been challenging UH to imagine what a health system would look like if its well care system was as healthy as its sick care system, and then design that to make that happen. And I know we recently had a retreat on that. I wonder if you can share some of your ideas or the ideas that came out of that, that are practical things that we can start to do to move toward that direction. Sure. Yeah. So I want to reiterate too, that any of these changes, helping our patients, our community to be healthy, it starts with the self. Right? That's the foundation of all of this work. And that's why we have all of these programs and all of this training internally for our caregivers, our employees at UH, is because we need to be the model for our patients in order to help them develop these preventative healthy habits. So we offer all of these programs. We're offering lifestyle medicine training for our colleagues so that they can um, understand the background, get some, again, sort of hands-on training and practice these healthy habits for themselves. When we talk about wellness-centered leadership and trying to envision what we want to see for the future, the base of the wellness-centered leadership pyramid is caring about others always. And that sounds very basic, very general, but it's so true. And that you need to not only have those healthy habits for yourself, but you need to have this compassion and this caring for the other people around you, those that you lead, those that you will be caring for with your patients, and have that as your baseline and your MO for all of your work. And then it's really key, the next part of that pyramid, to build relationships one-on-one with your team members as a whole group, practice these healthy habits together, um, and really build that very cohesive, strong team bond to be able to move things forward. And then you can get to the point where you inspire change and help lead people toward what everybody believes to be true and feels like they belong and are a part of together. And I know you talk a lot about the environment of believing and belonging, and that's really the tip of the pyramid is getting everybody to that point where they're ready to work together, mobilize resources, and make that change. So for a well care system, what we want is to help people before they get to the point of having chronic conditions or needing acute care in our healthcare system. Uh, We want to help them learn and practice these healthy lifestyle behaviors. Again, physical activity, stress management, proper nutrition, social connections, all of these things to help them have their healthiest quality of life, whatever that means to them. We want them, we want to know from them what matters to them, not just have them come into the office and think about, okay, well, what's the matter with you? We want to help them develop those habits based on what matters to them in their life and then what kind of healthy lifestyle habits can we help them put in place to help them achieve those goals. So we talk a lot about lifestyle medicine training for our providers, health coaching, even some simple strategies such as motivational interviewing and positive inquiry to elicit that motivation from our our patients. You know, what is it, again, that's important to them? What matters to them? How can we help them get there? through the lens of keeping their physical, mental, and emotional states as healthy as possible. Well, Jess, that is so inspiring and so hopeful. And so I, you know, I just imagine what we can do together if we create a health system where that those ideals become the norm, that we always are focused on well care first, and we see sick care as a failure of the well care system. And what that would mean that we would align around a purpose of healthcare 
that is first seeking to help people thrive, to prevent disease when possible, to cure when we can't prevent, and to care when we can't cure, and all along to compassionately partner with people to improve value. Jessica, your work is moving us on that journey in a very rapid way, and I thank you, and I hope the audience here will do something today for focusing on their own well-being, even if it's just one simple thing of one of those five pillars that you begin to say, I'm going to do something differently, or in your work environment, you know, perhaps try opening meetings with the well-being moment to connect everyone to this important journey. Jess, any closing comments or thoughts for the audience? Just one closing comment for someone that is maybe looking to put a new habit into their life. There are a lot of fads out there that promote really, really fast changes. Um, we know the research says it can take up to 240 days. Um, on average, it takes 67 days to form a new habit. So again, be gentle on yourself. Pick something small. Keep doing it over and over, and you will get there. Yeah, Jess, thanks. You know, it's interesting. When we write about well-being, we've written a couple pieces about the need for self-compassion, and those get the far largest responses, and they're almost always the same as, you know, I needed that. You know, my days are hard, work's hard, life's hard, and people are juggling so much nowadays. And and so that, I agree, Jess, is probably the most important thing is to love yourself and be gentle on this journey as we all seek to live healthier lives. So thank you again for joining us, Jess, and yours seeking to leverage the power of love within and between people to radically transform health and healthcare. Have a great day. 